Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Getting It Out Podcast. That was Spotlights with Sunset Burial. That track is currently available on the digital-only EP, Seance, and it might also be included on Alchemy for the Dead, their LP, which arrives April 28th via Ipecac Recordings. I'm not exactly sure, but I do know that it's very good. I like what Spotlights does. They're kind of like a, uh, kind of seem to be a musician's favorite band. You catch them on tours with like Deftones or like their upcoming tour with Mr. Bungle and uh, the Melvins on the Ipecac Geek Show tours. They're going on a tour by themselves. Well, not by themselves. They've got a friend coming with them, but they are going on tour basically from April till the end of June. So you've got plenty of chances to check them out all over the United States. Bird Hands will be opening a lot of those dates. Ryle also on some of those. Um, But anyway, keep an eye out for uh, spotlights coming to a town near you or listen to their new record Seance and Alchemy for the Dead again, which comes out April 28th via Ipecac recordings. I like what they do. I like their sound. Originally formed up in Brooklyn, which some might say is the coolest city in America. Some might say is not. Um, That's it. That's all I got as far as comments on Brooklyn. I don't know. I don't know anything about Brooklyn. I think I went there for a Super Bowl parkour once and that's it. Uh, Nothing to report here. Uh, But I do know the drummer, Chris Enriquez, seems like a really cool guy. He does a lot of cool stuff, which makes someone a cool guy. Uh, He has a hardcore band, which I believe is called Total Meltdown. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But he plays drums in a lot of stuff. And uh, this, of course, Spotlights is one of those stuffs. And if you like what you heard, just go find it elsewhere. It's everywhere. Spotlights. All right. On this episode of the podcast, I got an interview with my old friend, JB Brubaker. You might've heard him on a very early episode of the podcast. I forget which number, 40, 50, something around there. Maybe it was back when I was doing the old, the old, uh, it was before the logo change. It was old school, getting it out podcast. Well, since then, a lot of years have passed and a lot of things have changed, but a lot of things are the same. So we talked all about that. But first, hot zone. Check it! Make family out of friends, make friends out of enemies. Peace to my family, make friends till they bury all the places we've been. We're never sitting it out, we be getting it in. Where you getting it out? I said all the places we've been. We're never sitting it out, we be getting it in. Where you getting it out? Who do you think I talk to about fixing my algorithm? I got a problem with my algorithm. Every time I go on there, there's a group of white dudes playing classic rap beats on instruments as a full band. And it's not bad, but it sure is annoying. One guy does this thing with his neck where he like pulses and bobs up and down. It's, it's kind of infuriating. I want them to be canceled. How do we do that? How do we get somebody canceled without any context, without any there? Can we give them the uh, cultural appropriation thing? I think we could. I think it applies here. I think uh, it'd be a stretch because they're not really doing anything wrong. They're just playing this music, but it's the way they look when they're doing it. You know how sometimes people just have a face. They got a face and you can't really like them. Who do I talk to about my algorithm issues? I can't hate watch them because then they just show up more. It's, It's like a moral dilemma that forces me to be the bigger man and walk away. That's not a role I'm real comfortable with. Imagine that being implemented in real life. Like, like I hate this guy for a thing he does. So I'm going to confront him. And then you do, and he just shows up 3,000 more times everywhere you go. And look, there he is again. Eventually, you got to be the big pussy and walk away. 
right? And I guess, all right, I'm trying to be, but how do you get out of these things? How do you get something out of your algorithm? I'm just going to like more skateboarding videos. That's mostly what it is. Comedians, skateboarding videos. That's my algorithm. Every now and then it, I get a, like a bourbon streak. For a while there, it was a bourbon collection thing. I was seeing a lot of that. That was cool. I don't know what happened to it. Why did that go away? What's wrong with my algorithm? I don't even get basketball. So that's not true. I do get a lot of basketball stuff, but I get like very specifically 90s basketball stuff. I'll take new basketball stuff. Some days they'll decide I like the Detroit Pistons. What is that? I don't like the Detroit Pistons. I don't know if I've ever liked a player that was on the Detroit Pistons. Specifically, fuck Bill Lambeer. Dennis Rodman, too. I don't, I don't know. What, what are you doing on here? Who is in charge of my algorithm? Because it's not me. It doesn't have the things on it that I want to be on it. What do I want on it? I don't want anything on it, actually. I would prefer that it's blank. So I would stop looking at it. That would be ideal. I hate the way they trick you. They suck you in and you can't stop watching these stupid things that you don't care about. That's infuriating more so than the white guys playing rap beats. But anyway, I suppose this is a grumpy way to start off the podcast, but it is officially March Madness. So uh, I got my coffee here. Maybe I should pour some Tullamore Dew in there. Uh, Could be that, you know, some Proper 12. I got that upstairs. I also have some Drum Shanbow. That's the expensive Irish whiskey I have. I should put that in here. And when I show up to work all drunk, they'll be like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, it's March Madness. What, what do you expect? What are you supposed to do? Isn't that what it's all about? I know Princeton beat Arizona, 15 beating a two last night. That's exciting. Furman beat Virginia, 13 over a four. That's cool. But uh, March Madness could be way cooler if you got to drink at work. That, that's true March Madness, and we should start doing that. I'll start today. I'll let you know how it goes. I won't have a job by the end of the day, but I'll let you know how it goes. How, if it was fun, if it was worth it. I don't know. I'm not going to do that. I do live close enough that I can walk, so you don't have to worry about me drinking and driving. Because my work is in part of my neighborhood, mostly. It's at the edge of my neighborhood, 15 minute walk. I've talked about that before. I bring that up now because that's my segue into talking about what else is close to my work. And it's my guest on this episode of the podcast, JB Brubaker, who lives just about the same distance in a slightly different direction. I know that because I run and I literally run through his backyard, which sounds more odd than it is. There's a there's a paved path that kind of runs through our neighborhoods. One spot of which is literally through his backyard. Well, at the edge of his backyard. And uh, I've been seeing him out there for years. And I never stop. We, of course, know each other, but I just wave. And he's always out there with his son. And then I keep going. And that's it. And that literally, for a couple years, I've seen him out there. And uh, I don't think... I don't think we knew we lived close to each other until I started basically running into him out there. But we have known each other for about 20 years, probably more, actually more than 20 years, because as we talk about on this interview, he originally sent me flyers to flyer for the first August Burns Red show. It was a show with this day forward at a fire hall around here. I can't remember which one. I can remember some of the bands that opened. No Name Basis was one of them. My sister went with me to the show. The only show my sister had ever gone with me because she also had friends in Elizabethtown College that were playing that show. Weird, but it it happened. The show got shut down at the end because somebody hit a light pole and uh, cut out the power during the Stay Forward set. 
That's it. That's that's a little history for you. Lancaster hardcore, as we called it back then, totally metalcore, but we called it Lancaster hardcore. And it became a big thing from them from then on. And uh, we can thank August Burns Red from that. They are certainly the biggest band from the area to make it, I would say. Although I just got an email earlier today about from Ashes to New going on tour with Shinedown and Three Days Grace. I think they're pretty big. They're from here, too. Anyway, we talk about things from here being from here and all sorts of other local nonsense, but of course, a lot of August Burns Red. So I'm going to play you a song from their new record because that's what I do here. Let's go with one of the singles, the first one. It's Ancestry featuring Jesse Leach of Killswitch Engage from their new album, Death Below. Yeah. 
it's it's kind of funny to talk to you like this because you might be the person that I've known the longest that I've seen the most over the last few years. And we haven't said a single word to each other. Well, you're always running and you can't <laughs> stop and chat, dude. You don't want to get that heart rate down. You're on a mission. That's, that's exactly right. That's, that's, uh, that's exactly right. That's what, you know, and I see other people like, I'll see Ricky here too, you know, cause we also in the same neighborhood and right. uh, it's the same deal. I got to keep moving. It's like, what's up? Hey, little, little, little head nod. <laughs> that's right. That's it's right. All good. Um, well, I think there's a lot of cool things about the fact that you guys are doing what a 20 year anniversary tour right now. Yeah. We're on a 20 year anniversary tour. How weird is that? Cause you're one of the people, if I may say, who's been there since like year one, like you were around when we started. Yeah. And yeah. Not a lot of people uh, can say that. No, I was talking to uh, briefly to Tim and Adam splitter today. And I said, you know, funny thing is that JB actually sent me flyers to flyer for your first show which is a funny way to do things wow. that you mailed me yeah. a stack of paper to, <laughs> to flyer for that first show with this day forward. Did I really? Yeah. yeah. I couldn't have said that. That's hilarious. Cause you were, were you in York at the yeah. time? Yeah. Yeah. When you, I didn't want to drive 45 minutes to York, man. When, <laughs> when Dan Crayley could flyer his local shows for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Thank you for really doing fun. that. Yeah, of course. Of course. It's a, it's been a fun thing to to watch you guys go from there, you know, because we all know where it started and how it's changed over time. And I was thinking about, well, I guess it's 15 years ago-ish, when you guys went to record Thrill Seeker. I remember you went down to Tennessee yeah. with Adam D of Kill Switch. And then I was thinking about, I was like, well, hold on. They, they, they just did... They put out a new track with Jesse Leach. They, when they came, you know, the COVID thing was kind of around the Kill Switch tour, right? I don't, I don't even know what the question is here. Like, it seems like Kill Switch Engage and August Burns Red has been kind of a thing. Do you think it's so? As, it hasn't been as much of a thing as you would think. I, I, I don't know. There's always been the link with Adam, of course, since, since Thrill Seeker. Like, Adam has always been our bridge to Kill Switch. And I guess. <laughs> There has been more of a link than that because we worked with their managers for a few years as well. Um, Kenny Gabor and Vaughn Lewis, who still managed Killswitch to this day, managed August Burns Red um, for a few years in like 2008 through 2010 or something. I, um, and those are great dudes too, who we you know still see and keep in touch with a little bit. But uh, we never did any proper touring with Killswitch. Um, we barely even played fests or anything with them. And I reached out to one of the managers when we were releasing, or when we were recording Guardians. I was like, "Hey, like it would be really cool to to do something with you guys. Like if if our schedules line up or whatever, you know, I just kind of put the put the word out. Like we'd like yeah. to tour with Killswitch. And lo and behold, it worked out where we were able to get a tour together. And we were so pumped, and it was looking awesome. Like the tickets were selling great. And we were going to release Guardians on the tour. And then, bam, the pandemic hits two shows into the tour and, and just completely shut it down. Um, of course, we eventually did play that tour in the winter of 2022. Um, it finally played. Like those tickets that were sold in 2020 yeah. for our, like, actually, uh, I guess a lot of them would have been sold in 2019 when the tour was first announced. It finally played in 2022 when we got to we got to tour with Killswitch, but it wasn't the way it should have been. Um, 
because COVID was still raging. There were a lot of restrictions on the shows. Um, there wasn't intermingling with our bands. Like we were very camps were kind of split. There wasn't right. hanging out. Everyone had to be masked backstage. It was just a really strict tour because we didn't want it to get derailed for obvious reasons. And, and because the tickets had been on sale for years and a lot of them have been sold, like shows were sold out back in 2020, people forgot that they had those tickets. A lot of folks didn't show up. So a show might be sold out with 2000 people and you got, 1700 or i'm sorry like 1200 people show up like maybe 800 tickets don't show it, it was wow. weird, a weird tour um i wish it had been different um in those respects but i am grateful that we got to play with those guys um and i hope we get to do it again to be honest because i want to i want to get to like bro down with them and stuff we didn't quite to, we didn't get the full normal tour experience yeah yeah that makes that makes sense well the the uh the COVID years, not that I want to talk a lot about that, but this seems to be where you got a lot of shit done for August Burns Red. It seems to have been a very productive period. It was oddly productive. It started out really like depressing, as I'm sure it did for many people, but we were like, God, are you serious? Like, we can't support our album that's coming out in April. Um, we can't be on the road. We can't do this tour with Kill Switch that we've been trying to get for years. And and then we just kind of, we felt sorry for ourselves for a little bit. And then we're like, we need to like strike while the iron's hot. There's stuff that bands can do. We have to find new ways to, to do things. And we kind of dove into like the whole live stream thing, which we were apprehensive of doing at first, but then we really embraced that. And we were between labels. Coincidentally, Guardians was our last record with Fearless. So suddenly we were free agents and had the right to record music and own the masters, which we've never done in our career. And we're, we took advantage of that by recording a bunch of stuff. We re-recorded re um, our album Leveler, which you know was a had a 10-year anniversary. Um, and we took over our own e-commerce business, which I won't get into because it's boring. But um, long story short, like we we run our own web store now, which was a big change for the band and opened up some a lot of different opportunities for us as as a business. So. Yeah, it was a super busy time, but it was good. Like we learned a lot. We took it. We took it as a chance to learn how to do some new things we'd never done before as a band, and and we also, I guess, hunted for a new record label and signed a new a new deal with Sharp Ten during that time as well. A lot, a lot happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was talking to the two of the guys in Gideon the other night doing doing this, and we were just talking about. Lancaster, right? And what's, what's yeah. come out of here and what is here. And you guys do everything so in-house and with the same people over all these years that that had to be an extreme benefit for you when this whole thing happened. And then when you have where, where you know, with you have, you having Carson and Grant here to record who you typically record with, and we have, yeah. you have the whole setup up in Lidditz for live streams and all like, you know, that's like, yeah. What better situation could you have been in for all of this? We often talk about how lucky we are and how unusual it is that Rock Lidditz is in the town. Like we live in Lidditz. Three, three of the five of us live in the town that this major music production campus is. And it, had, it really has been advantageous for us Like for so many reasons. Doing tour pre-production there is so easy. I, I drive 10 minutes and I'm there. We need something. Something breaks. Like there's a solution right there for everything. It's 
and it's lit. It's Pennsylvania. Like most people haven't even heard of this place. Right. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's weird to explain all the stuff that's even here music related or has come out of here. But you guys are one of right. those big things. Well, in the metal world, I suppose, you know, and, and heavy music. But in terms of like what Rock Lens has done and, and music production and, and a touring world, like that's, that's, I mean, they've changed, they've changed the music industry and touring from for what, what they bring to the table, you know, with Tate Industries and Claire Brothers and all that, which I guess those are, aren't household names either, unless you're in that, that, right. that line of work. But I mean, Tate is doing the Super Bowl halftime production. You know, it, it's, it's crazy what is, is happening in our backyards. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's I mean, in our own selfish ways. It's, it's super nice to have. I mean, I was just over there yeah. just at the black box the other week for like a Chuck Reagan show or something, you know, just like a, oh, nice. like a cool yeah. thing just to, to have, like, you know, to barely go out of the house and it's right there. Cause well, you, you and I, of course, we already mentioned it, live real close to each other. I don't like leave at all. Like, like I walk to work. I work close enough that I, I work right on Oregon Road. So I just walk to work. Wow. I go to Universal. That's crazy. Gym, like, and then Same. like, oh, we, <laughs> right? like, so I don't go anywhere. I'm just here all the time. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you. My sister says she won't leave her five mile radius. Like she lives in the same area as us too. Like yeah. a 10 minute walk from my house. She's like, I have everything I need in, within five miles. I don't need to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It might be true. It might be true because it, it is for me. Yeah. Um, and this this has nothing to do, but it with uh, well, no, it does. We're speaking of backyards. We're speaking of where we live. I see you in the backyard all the time. We're going to digress a minute. What's the sure. most crucial feature of a good backyard? I know you spend a lot of time there. I'm really fond of keeping my lawn. I try to keep my lawn nice. I'm really into landscaping now. That's just right. something I got into during the pandemic just worth having a lot of time at home. Um, so I want to have nice green grass that doesn't have weeds. Like that's my goal. And, Oh, you know what? I'm off all summer this summer. Like I'm going to go in hard on my lawn, dude. I like I, during the pandemic, I would literally, you know, I have, I have a small child, my son, and we play outside a lot. And as I'm just like running around the yard with him, I would just be like plucking weeds like in, in my lawn, if I saw like a, a clump of crabgrass, I'm like, get this out of here. <laughs> Cause you know, you don't take care of that. It'll spread, man. It'll no, we spread. just had our first treatment this week. Did you? I'm sure we did too. Yeah. I have a, <laughs> I have a lawn service that comes by and does their, their treatments on the lawn as well. Yeah. You got to put on that. Uh, what is it? They do the uh, pre-emergent this time of year to keep the right. crabgrass from growing come August and September. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, what's the mowing pattern you go with? Cause I don't think I've ever mowed my lawn oh. the same way one, twice. Really? Boy, yeah, I, I, know I, should, I, uh, but I don't. I, I get into a routine. Well, if I'm trying to do it quick, I just do straight lines up and down. I have a push mower and I, but if I'm feeling fancy mm-hmm. and I got a little bit more time, I do love mowing. Yeah. So I, if I have the time, I'll do the diagonals, you know, mm-hmm. like, like on a nice, um, diagonal the whole way across. Um, but that takes longer and it's sometimes tricky for me to get those nice crispy lines, but it is satisfying, right. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is. I've, I've, I've gone circles. I've done a circle. Oh, circle. Nice. Like, the spiral. Go, yeah. I go, go like start at the fire pit in the middle, in the middle, semi middle of the backyard. And then just, yeah, it, it doesn't usually work out, but you know, 
it's worth the try. It looks cool in certain areas, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah when you get the uh, but, then you, but then you run into ob- a lot of obstacles. Start yeah, running into obstacles yeah, with exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You can get really, really far off track really quick, but whatever. That's that is worth it. Do you do do you do uh mulching? Do you mulch your flower beds? We didn't this past year, but I think we're due this year. But we had we we what we did a couple years ago, maybe it was two years ago, is we put yeah cardboard down first okay so all of our gardens are full of there's cardboard underneath all the mulch so the weeds don't come up right it's it's a real easy way to stop the weeds from coming up sure i'm sure that is yeah does it does it do you feel like it's restrictive to getting your your plants the water that they need no no (laughs) no we make sure to cut around them they they get what they need yeah i see smart that's cool good idea yeah but i mean the the, the downside is is that you got cardboard in your lawn but you know it it, it, you can cover it back up but all right so let's let's talk about uh since we went over plenty of lawn maintenance about the uh the new record death below because that's something that i have to imagine you worked on over the pandemic right absolutely yeah um we started Death Below during lockdown, actually. Um, I wrote the first three tracks and probably like between April and April, May. And I was really excited about what we were doing. I knew we were free agents and I hit up our uh, bass player slash guitar player, Dustin, um, who does a lot of the writing with me. And I was like, hey, man, I got this idea. I want to do a, an EP and I want all the songs to flow from one to the next. And here's the first three songs. Like, do you want to add on to this? And then he was like, yeah, this is cool. I like this idea. And he did tracks four, four, five, and six, which actually turned out to be the first six tracks on death below. Um, and when the plan was to you know, release this self-release this EP, and it was going to be a little bit more metal and darker than stuff we'd done previously. Um, mm-hmm. We just, it was a dark time, man. We were writing just darker shit, I guess. Um, and then we kind of decided, uh, we maybe we'll turn this into a full length. Maybe we can self-release a full length too. Who knows? Um, it was, we, long story short, we decided to turn it into a, a full length, which is what ended up happening. Um, but we, we cranked out a lot of it quickly. And then we kind of got a little bit distracted with doing the live stream stuff and the level of re-record and the, the making of Death Below kind of took a back seat a bit and then we picked up writing and recording it in various chunks over the next 18 months or so. I think we recorded it in, in four different studios, three different studios over four different sessions. Like Carson and Grant were kind of bouncing around during that time because they were having their new studio built at rock but it wasn't done yet. And they kept having to jump around. So we did some of it in Palmyra. We did some of it in Landisville. And then we did the rest of it in a couple sessions at their rock loaded space, which is weird. We've never done an album over such a long time in various studios like that. It was, it was a different process for us. You well, maybe I guess you have this small. You've released a lot of a lot of stuff. I, I made I made a point this week to listen to every single song you released. I didn't put on the demo though. I gotta admit, I don't even have a CD player, so I don't even know how to put on the demo. So <laughs> not not worth not worth your time, anyways. You've heard it. You yeah. you, you know what that sounds like. <laughs> hey, I remember we used to really like that. Okay, but anyway, I don't I don't need to get on the demo. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> Oh, 
the only like i guess i guess there's other eps in there though i was gonna say i don't feel like you've released an ep since looks fragile but i guess you have i guess there's some other like b-side eps in there right we've done some of that b-side stuff yeah we've we've released some eps but it was like the leftover tracks from a couple full lengths and then we'd add on an acoustic version of a song and you know kind of fillery eps Mm -hmm. i'd say i don't want to I feel like Looks Fragile was the only proper EP that was just like a bunch of unreleased new material. Yeah. Um, less of a compilation of stuff. But it's also the worst of all the EPs we've put out. <laughs> <laughs> it should be, though. It should be the worst. Yeah, it's, it's pretty rough. I don't care. I don't like Looks Fragile after all at all. I really don't like that album. <laughs> starting point starting point yeah yeah so it's all got to start anyway at least it's not the demo right at least it's not the demo true it is better than the demo it's better than the demo which people are people want by the way i've noticed uh and again i don't want to go on this demo for too long but uh that's that's in the discogs page i have yeah uh, people ask about it people are are willing maybe maybe repress that re-record it re-record it oh my god dude i wouldn't even Nah, no one wants. No one really wants to re-record. They just want a copy of the original. Yeah, I know. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. CD that we burned to, to put in their collection. I have, I have one. I'm proud to say I'm a, I am an owner of our original demo. <laughs> well, you, you're like a pretty much an arc or how do I use this word? Right. Archivist, archivist. Yeah, I do have a fair amount of stuff collected and archived. And you keep track. I'm not of even like Makai, but I, right? I have some stuff. Yeah. I write down every show we play. I have a spreadsheet of that. I actually was talking to one of the guys from Mice and Men a couple nights ago in Anaheim on the store we're on and he asked me about this show he's like i swear we played with you guys at this venue in glasgow in 2010 or whatever i'm like absolutely not you didn't i am certain you didn't and then i bust out my laptop and pull up the spreadsheet i'm like see we did not play there on that tour like this is <laughs> i was like this is this is really coming in handy here fact checking 
Yeah, you need it. You're proving people wrong. Um, <laughs> it's best for that. But all right, so you mentioned uh, writing for Death Below and how it's how you it was a little darker, a little more metal. And I noticed that right away. Um, maybe maybe even a little black metal with some of the riffing in there. Yeah, which is something we really haven't done. I mean, Matt's played black metal blasts here and there sporadically across the whole you know yeah catalog, but we've never done like long sections of mm-hmm. black metal blasting with just like the wall of like a the 16th notes on a chord like strumming and i personally am a big fan of that and it's something that is uh it's just something we've never really done with abr and i'm not in any way saying that death below is a black metal album it's not um it has sections that have black metal blasting with black right. metal you know <laughs> chords um but i think it's cool because we've never really done that before and i like i said i'm a a big i'm very fond of that wall of sound Mm -hmm. i think it can be really it has like a certain beauty that is that i really appreciate but i understand that isn't for everyone perhaps like it's a it can be a difficult genre to get into i don't and i'm not i'm not like deep into black metal as a genre like i don't think that there's a lot of bands like that that i like but the bands that i do like i love you know yeah, like and i think i think you like bands like that that mix it up like panopticon right i love panopticon yes right. i like i like uh, um maybe I, the best way to describe it is like i like the ethereal black metal right. stuff or like the with like some melodic sides and the cascadian what are they whatever term they want to use for it the sure yeah (laughs) yeah like i i i love deaf heaven i'll admit that they're a band that i I really dig and um have you heard that band black braid by any chance yeah 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 of course um i think that band's sick or that guy's sick you know and i know it's a solo thing but i'm sure he has a band when he plays live so I, i don't know stuff like that is more in my wheelhouse than you know immortal and mayhem and like the, the OG black metal stuff. <laughs> no, no, I, I agree. I, I always say that there are, there are bands like dark throne that I do like, but I mm-hmm. admittedly don't listen to them a lot. I'm more likely to listen to Agala or Alcest or other bands. I don't know how to say their name correctly. You know? Right. Yeah. It was hard to say the names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, this record, you know, you have that premonition, that lead-in song, track, whatever you want to call it, intro. But the real first song yes. is is like eight minutes long. Yeah. Which I think is awesome. And then the last song is like eight minutes long. You really bookend, kind of yeah. bookended this record with those two long songs. Was that sequencing a big discussion? Is it a big discussion when it comes to ABR records? sequencing is certainly a discussion and this one this album didn't leave a lot of options for for how we could lay the tracks out because um we wanted there to be this flow from track to track as as best we could um and because dustin and i had written the first six songs to go together like they kind of had to start the album for us to keep that that flow going and the first two songs were actually written as one song um like that intro into track two was all one song it was like 10 minutes long and i was so proud of it and i was like dude i don't know if we can release a 10 minute song to start out our album and 
to make matters worse, I hate that you have to think about this. Streaming services don't care if your song's 10 minutes or one minute. You're going to get paid the same royalty on the mm-hmm. song. And I don't I, like, I'd rather have two tracks there to have more tracks to be streamed. You know, the same thing happened with uh, tracks eight and, and nine on our album. Like that was all written as one song and we cut off like the intro and made it a separate track because uh, long songs just don't play well with streaming nowadays which is really a, a frustrating uh, from an artistic standpoint it's it's frustrating that we have to think about those sorts of things that, yeah i can imagine that does i never thought about it that way and that makes a shitload of sense yeah and so uh, like a band like bt bam with their like the great misdirect what a brutal album for streaming to get paid on right like it's like six tracks and an hour long and you know i, I don't know i i feel bad bands in that situation because it's, it's just not fair I, I don't know how to fix it i'm not trying to fix the. there's a lot of problems with with the way streaming is compensated to artists right. but <laughs> you know we'll, we'll save that for another pod right 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 well well that kind of kind of answers one of my questions i don't know not a question necessarily but but i always wonder why because why it seems you guys seem so capable and willing to do like these longer progier, not necessarily progier, but you know what I mean? Like bigger tracks. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you're not going all the way with it, but you could. And I like full prog or what? what not, do you mean not, exactly? not prog, not prog necessarily, but you know what I mean? Like these, just these bigger, epic, more epic. Like I love, I love your tracks that are, that are longer because you guys go through all these different sounds and I kind of like it when it's yeah. the most melodic is kind of when I think it's like, it's the peak for me with, with your music. And it's yeah. you, cause you guys are very good uh, musicians when you're just playing I mean, all the time, but when you're just like playing and seeming to feel it. And sure. it's interesting that it, that just the way music is consumed now can, could affect the way it's written. Yeah. I don't think I didn't think about it at all, honestly, when writing the the material that I contributed to Death Below, aside from if we needed to cut songs into different tracks for streaming. I wasn't thinking about it when I was putting the the music together, though. And I was thinking about it when we wrote Guardians. And it makes me feel when I look back on Guardians, I don't feel as connected to that album as a music or as an artist because I put myself in a bit of a box to try to write some songs that were quote unquote more accessible or just more digestible. And just to see if there would be like a, you know, if there would just be a new audience that would, would connect with the band and it left me feeling a little bit empty and unsatisfied. And I promised myself that I wasn't going to do that again. And I definitely wrote, I guess, selfishly for death below. Like I wrote what I wanted to write and what made me excited. And I will say also that that has been my approach for our entire career, like with the exception of what I contributed on Guardians. And I just feel a lot better about the stuff that feels that I that I wrote with integrity, I guess. Right. Of course. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, 20 years is a long, long ass time to do this. Is this the is this the officially the 10th full length? If you count our Christmas album. Yeah, it's our tenth. If you don't count the Christmas album, then it would be our ninth. That's a lot. That's a lot of material. That's a lot of albums. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sorry if you really listened through all of it. 
recently. You, you've been listening to a lot of August Burns recently. <laughs> I did. I could probably go to the last, FM, last FM. I still have hooked up and it would probably tell me how many, you know, 200 or 300 tracks I listened to this week, which is fine. Cause it, cause it's a nice way to revisit some of your stuff because a lot of it, you know, just 20 years. That's a long time. It's hard to years. keep up. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I forget how some of our songs go, dude. The other day I was playing my, my son's like really into ABR right now and likes to listen to our music in the car, especially death below. Like he always wants to listen to death below, but I was like, let's listen to something different. Cause we've been listening to this a lot and we were driving around and I put on the album Phantom Anthem, which came out in 2017 or 18, 17, 20, 2017. Okay. Thanks. You're up. When, yeah. You're up when you stop. <laughs> and I hadn't heard it in years. And, um, and aside from the songs that we play live, like there were songs I was like, I don't really, I it was like, I was hearing it for the first time again mm-hmm. or here. It's not even for the first time. It was, it was, I, I was hearing it without knowing what was coming. Like how, uh, which is very strange because I don't ever get to hear the songs and not understand them. Like I know where every chug is. I know what every time signature is. I know every part and how it goes. And I had forgotten how some of these songs went. And it was really weird because I was like, whoa, what, what's going on here? I don't understand this part at all. Um, and it made me think like, it must be, I, I don't know. It's, it was just a strange experience listening to the song and not understanding every single in and out of it and then trying to process it. Cause I'm like, this is like very busy. I don't know what's happening in this section. Cause I don't remember how it goes. And it, it was a, an unusual experience. And I, I look forward to having that happen to me more over the years as I like, if it's even possible to go back and like, forget how some of our own songs go so much that I don't know what parts are coming next, but that's what happens when you have a lot of songs and, You've been banging your head for 20 years and your memory starts to go, I guess. <laughs> well, you, you revisited a lot of them. Like we mentioned before, as you were re-recording stuff, you re-recorded Leveler or not. I don't mean just record it, but you know, you did the Thrill Seeker live show. You did yeah. the other, you know, what I think you might, you might've said it already. And I'm sure you said it elsewhere, but why was Leveler re-recorded front to back? Um, it was because Number one was the 10 year anniversary and we were between labels. And if we right. re recorded it, we had the ability to own the masters of the re record mm. and self release it. So, um, that was kind of the big motivator. Like let's we're between labels. Let's re- let's record what we can now and have some masters that we can own moving forward. Cause it, it, one of my biggest regrets of after looking back on our career is that we have eight full lengths. And we don't own, I mean, nine, really, if you want to count uh, the Sludnow album. We don't own any of the masters. They're all owned by by other labels. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll get paid our our percentage royalty on them. But it's it's not it's not what it's like to own, you know, the masters. So, right. And we we talked about trying to, like, buy masters back and stuff. And it's not even an option. Like, they're not they're not on the table. So moving forward, starting with Death Below, like, we're we'll be owning our masters moving forward, which is something I wish we would have known to do when we were younger, but we were, when we signed that first deal solid state, we were kids. There was no track record. We were grateful that they were taking a chance on us and they got us for five albums. So it's like a long, (laughs) that was a long contract, a lot of material. And, you know, we'll never own, we'll never own those masters, but that is what it is. I'm still grateful for the, for them putting us on the map and, 
and propping up our career for such a long time. But I don't want to put anything out moving forward that we don't own in in the long term. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes that makes perfect sense. And I think I was I've always been under the impression that there's like a uh there's like a timeline on masters. I know this is not true now, but like that eventually you get them back. But I guess that's not really the case, is it? Well, it's in our case, I I, I suppose that will be a licensing deal. Um yeah. So you can license your material to a label for X amount of years and then you'll get them back. That's not the case for us for our, for most of our catalog. But after five years of an album being out, we have the ability to re-record it and then own the re-record mm. um, masters, which is what we did with, with Leveler. And then we, re- we re-recorded uh, Whitewashed and Composure as well. So, but it's not the same, you know, people like the nostalgia of an album they loved with the original sound. It's just, it, it's kind of novel, I think. Mm-hmm. And I really am fond of how the Leveler re-record came out. I think it sounds awesome. Like I like the production on it. We rewrote some solos and stuff, but uh, I know as a fan, if a band went back and re-recorded like an album that was important to me and nostalgic to me, I would probably prefer hearing it the way I heard it when I was first really into it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you can I never did. really capture that same fire for sure. Yeah. And I, but like, I, but I listened to, I think I would actually say, I think leveler was for certain reasons was actually my favorite record that you guys have done. And I actually oh, wow. really, I, I enjoyed listening to the, the re-recorded version. I don't, again, I don't know if it, it hit me the same way as it did the first time around. Cause it can't, but it was, right. but I still thought it was a cool representation of it. And it makes total sense what you're saying about um, re-recording and releasing on your own and actually getting paid for it. The, because as long as I've known you, at least from what I've been aware of, this has been your job. I mean, you were yeah. a college student at first, but then was it, was this straight from college to ABR? Is that the, your resume? Yeah. I didn't even finish college. I actually dropped out. I had one, <laughs> one year to go. And I said, ah, college. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Got, we all dropped out. None of us graduated college except for Josh Bowen, our tour manager. He, he took a year off from coming to our shows and touring with us and stuff to finish college and then jumped right back on the road with us. And he hasn't, um, like ABR has kind of been his thing since as well. Mm-hmm. So, and what's funny also is it was, it was, all of our first bands. Okay. When we started originally now, Jake had a band and Dustin had bands before. Um, but I guess the original members, it was all our first bands, which is weird and unusual because I feel like that doesn't happen very often. And then, you know, I played in that, that hardcore band, black eyes for bad guys for a little <laughs> bit. I mean, the little, little, little side thing, but that's the only other band I ever, ever played in. I I think we should. I think we should be honest and call that a rapcore band. Rapcore. Yeah. It wasn't rapcore. On the first five <laughs> songs weren't rapcore. I, I really liked the first five songs we did, and then I don't. I never even heard the full length. I know that we recorded the full length. I never heard that. 
to this day, I have not heard that. And I know things got a little uh, rappy from what I understand <laughs> after that. I'm sure Eric has but that record for you somewhere. I'm, I'm sure he does too. Um, the, I did notice that this stuff was released on ABR records, right? And, but also that you signed with Sharp Tone. So why mm-hmm. not just do everything on ABR records? That's a good question. And because we're self-managed, it was determined, um, Brent and I managed the band. And while we were capable, I think, of self-releasing and going down that route, it is a lot of extra work. And I think having the benefit of a label, like that label machine behind you to help, there's just a lot of details that the label can help with. And we felt to self-release would kind of be conceding the ability to continue to grow the band and saying, okay, this is what we are. Um, Let's do our best to maintain where we're at. But growth would be much more difficult, I think, to be just fully self-released. So we want to still grow the band if we can and reach new listeners. And having a label behind us makes that uh, easier to realize. Well, speaking of the just the growth of the band, what do you feel like? What's what's their big picture like left for you to accomplish with August Burns Red? Yeah, that's a good question. That's a question we've been asked a few times now because obviously we have been around for a while. And I don't... The goal year in, year out now is to kind of sustain and be able to do this as a career and support our families and Mm -hmm. make a living on it. Um, We still love doing it. It's fun to play live. I love love playing shows. I like going on tour. I like being around my guys. Um, But we need to make a living because... A uh, bunch of us have kids, wives. The, the, you know, life is is happening at the same time as the band. It's not just carefree running around North America playing shows. You know, <laughs> so I think the goal long term is is to sustain wherever we're at now. Grow if we can. Sure, that'd be great. Um, and kind of try to cement like our quote unquote legacy um, mm-hmm. in the metal world. You know. Uh, I'd say in I, I would say in metalcore, but I'd like to be thought of beyond just metalcore if if that's possible. I know we've came up in the metalcore world, but um I wanna be remembered as like a really consistent, long lasting metal band when when people look back on our career. So that's kind of what drives us now, I think. Do you feel like you're getting you're getting there? Like you're getting recognition outside of that metalcore stigma? It's a hard question for me to answer because we spent so much time in like that warp tour scene, mm-hmm. especially kind of in our middle years as a career. And that world just doesn't get a lot of respect outside right. of that world, you yeah. know? And I, and I don't blame anyone for feeling that way because there's a lot of bad bands that were in that world, <laughs> I think for better or for worse. And they're, they're not still active because because of it, you know, bands have come and gone. Um, and I don't personally listen to a whole lot of metalcore myself these days. So I get that that word has like, um, that genre has like negative connotations tied to it for more, more like metal purists, Mm -hmm. um, such that maybe they've never really given us a chance just based on the, um, the, 
the circles we've been associated with. For sure. But I do think that if if people who I, I I do think we would people who like more you know pure metal music and less metalcore would still appreciate ABR just on on some level if if they were able to give us a chance you know and get over the the perception that follows us you know for for whatever reason I, I'm not I feel like that sounds like a plea for me to be like check out my band guys I know you <laughs> like these cool metal band like I know you really like goat whore and mastodon and like real metal bands but like we're cool too <laughs> no i don't know but it, but i think you're i think you're totally right about that i think you guys got put in for one reason or another you got put in the the christian thing and you got put in the metalcore mm-hmm. thing and you got put in the warp tour thing and a lot of diehard metalheads are not having that you know you know what i mean those those are one of those no, things is enough yeah. to to like, you know, kick you out. But I, but I really do think if, if you put on August Burns, right. If you put on, I'm looking at the track list here. If you play the cleansing for mm-hmm. somebody who's a, a Mastodon fan or whatever, uh, and don't tell them who it's you guys. I, I think they'd be surprised to find out, you know what I mean? If they're not familiar with what you guys do, I think it'd be a surprise to a lot of people and they'd realize how much they like you. Well, I hope you're right. And maybe there will be some people who do stumble upon us with this new record. I mean, I think this new record is the most metal, quote unquote, like pure metal album we've made. Obviously, it's still a metalcore album. There's breakdowns all over the place, but right. it's, I think it's pretty metal. It, but it's also hard to categorize your own music without bias. Yeah, so, for sure. We'll say it's it's pretty it's pretty metal for August Burns Red. How about that? Yeah, I, I, I would <laughs> agree. Uh, it might be my new favorite record of yours, and it's not only wow. because of the parts in Dark Divide that remind me of Limp Bizkit. <laughs> and you, hey, man, that new Limp Bizkit record sick. It is, it is. But am I just imagining these uh, <laughs> these counterfeit harmonics happening through Dark Divide? Yeah, there are a lot of harmonics. It's funny. I wouldn't have referenced Limp Bizkit as the uh, inspiration behind that sound, but I can see where you're coming from with that. <laughs> it's a nice touch. I, I, I'm, I, I'm not being sarcastic. I know it sounds like I'm being sar- sarcastic, but I'm not. Um, no, the, I don't think you as being sarcastic. You're fine. <laughs> the uh, last, this is the last thing I'll get you on, and I know it's been a bit of a controversy. The album artwork. What are people so mad about? I've seen a lot of upset comments about it being AI generated. We paid an artist to do the artwork for us, whether or not um, how he got to where he is on it is, you know, that's his thing. I really like the album artwork. I think it's cool. If it's AI generated, I don't care. I like the way it looks. And um, the artist who did it has all kinds of really awesome artwork he's very talented um if he phoned it in for us whatever so be it i still like the art i think there's there's some fear from the art community because ai is able to generate some pretty cool stuff now and i get that too i mean if there was an ai generated metalcore band that was really thick and (laughs) was blowing up i'd be feel threatened by that too um but uh yeah i don't know i feel like there was a uh like a Reddit thread or something that went out in the in an art community that was like, yo, let's all go stomp on this, this band's album art because it's, it, it's AI generated and let's like blow that, blow that up. I, I don't care at the end of the day. Um, 
I'm I'm proud of the the music behind the artwork, and that's what matters to me. Well, good. I I think it looks cool too. It does look. It does appear to be like the darkest looking cover I think you guys have done yet. Uh, yeah, I think it fits the vibe of the album. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right then. Uh, all right, real last one. It comes out uh, March twenty fourth. Is that the right date? That's right. Yeah, yeah. March twenty fourth. Yeah. Um, pretty generic, but I ask everybody the same thing. What are you most excited about for the release of this record? I'm really excited for people to finally hear it. It's been one of those records that we've just been sitting on for so long. We've worked on it for so long. Um, and we finished it last May and we had to wait forever for it to come out because final production is so slow right now mm. due to supply chain issues. So it's like the lead up and the wait for us um, has been very long and it will be nice to just finally be like, here you guys go. You can finally listen to this after we've been sitting on it for nearly a year, you know, of, of it being done. So it, it's, it's always satisfying to finally just get the album out there. And I am, I am confident that our fans who have been supporting us for a long time, are going to love the, love the record. And it'll be exciting to see what, you know, people who have been more critical of us have to have to think too. Like, you know, we, I respect the, the criticism and the feedback from people who aren't as fond of us as, you know, the, the fans who are really excited about us. So it's, it's always fun to see, you know, the initial reactions to new material. Awesome. Well, I know you're out on tour for a little while and then you come back for like a month, right? And then go back out on the same tour. Is that how it works? Yep. Yeah. It's, we're doing two legs of this 20 year anniversary. There's a lot of places we wanted to play and it just got to be a little bit too cumbersome to do it all at once. So we're taking a break in the middle and then getting back out there in mid April for another leg. Seems like you guys have figured out how to do this. To, like, like, like uh, we're, we're learning. We're yeah. always evolving, I guess. <laughs>
have it. That was my conversation with J.B. Brubaker of August Burns Red. The song you just heard was Backfire. That, of course, is off of Death Below, which drops March 24th next week on Sharp Tone Records. There's another single out there right now called The Reckoning featuring Spencer Chamberlain. So there's plenty of things to dive into on this record, and I highly suggest you do, especially if you've never given them a chance for reasons like J.B. and I talked about. I highly encourage you to investigate the world of August Burns Red. It might not be what you think it is, or it might just be way better than you think it is, or it might be exactly what you think it is. Either way, check them out. The new album, Death Below, March 24th. That should be it for this episode of the podcast. I want to thank JB, of course, for coming on and talking to me. Maybe I'll stop by in the backyard sometimes for a chat. But like you said, got to keep that heart rate up. Uh, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. If you're new to getting it out podcast. If you came here because this episode featured August Burns Red, I want to encourage you to go check out gettingitout.net. That's my favorite place on the internet. It's my website. It's where I do things. Right now, I'm posting the new release for this week, uh, March 17th to be exact. A lot of cool new stuff out this week. Some live albums from Heavy Psych Sounds, records like Ecstatic Vision. They've got a new one, The Lords of Altamont. Uh, there's some power metal like Narnia. There's Spotlights with their new EP, Seance, who you heard in the beginning. Hardcore, plenty of hardcore. X Weapon X and World of Pleasure released a split split this week. And uh, Torina from California also released a split. Both of those are on Days Records. There's plenty of new stuff out. Death Metal, Tech Death, like Contrarian. Uh, they have a new one on Willow Tip. Death Vanish, Desolate Realm, Downfall of Gaia, on Metal Blade, uh, For Token, got an episode coming up soon with the, with the guys in For Token. They got a new one out on Prosthetic Records. It's called Triumphs. Hyperdontia from, Tur- I believe, Turkey has a new EP that came out this week on Dark Descent Records. That's called Deranged. Lots of stuff to check out. But there's also lots of episodes of Getting It Out podcast to check out. So you got a lot of work to do. Go to gettingitout.net. Check some stuff out. But one more thing before you go to check out. And it's a new song from Hyperdancha, the aforementioned Turkish death metal band. They have a new EP like I just talked about called Deranged. It's out now on Dark Descent Records and May Sako Un Ojo. And this song is called Deluded Straight Up Death Metal. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.